Welcome back to the show, second half of the People Show, coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Uh, we'll get a chance to connect with our good friend Danny Kelly in just a moment as we get ready for the fantasy football update. Brought to you by Clayton Public House, pregame to postgame, the Clayton Public House, your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens, two giant projectors, the ClaytonPub.com in the thick of it through week eight into week nine. Uh, so let's chat with uh, Danny Kelly at Danny B Kelly on socials from the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast with Danny Heifetz and Craig Horlbeck. Got any questions for them? Email them at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. DK, how are you? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, really good. I was at the game on, on Sunday. And, yeah. Uh, it, it was. It's, it's more fun watching your players score in real time. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. Uh, I feel like there's an energy at those games that you can't really replicate just watching at home. That's the one, the one bonus of going. Obviously, there's, uh, you know, it's nice to be comfortable in your own living room, but you can't get the energy. You can't get the crowd noise. I did hear people because look, I haven't been to an NFL game in seven years or something. Like really? That. Yeah. I did hear people behind me being like, "Oh, that's 1.4 points," and I was like, "Oh my goodness, it's <laughs> it's, it's so it's pervasive over. everywhere." Yeah. Love fantasy. It's good yeah. for uh, it's good for my job security. So love to hear that. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of job security and uh, j- jobs opening up across the league, <laughs> um, let's go with uh, the Raiders right now. They make a bunch of changes. Yeah. Uh, they fire Josh McDaniels. Mick Lombardi is out as offensive coordinator as well. Uh, it looks like they're going to go make the switch at QB full time as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do we make of the Raiders situation? Yeah, I mean, I think something obviously had to change. The vibes were atrocious uh, in that last game. You know, you got. Uh, you got Devontae Adams just freaking out on the sideline and throwing his helmet, and he's just angry and pissed. And um, it was clear to me that there was a lot of dysfunction in that team, and like the way the offense was running clearly was just not working. And so I'm very interested to see how the things change going forward. Obviously, they're making the change to Aiden O'Connell, it sounds like, at quarterback, which makes a lot of sense since Jimmy Garoppolo was just not playing well at all. Um, really struggling with like the pass rush, just not getting, you know, plays off and getting getting the ball out things like that it's just it was not working and so you know I think obviously there's going to be ups and downs with a rookie quarterback but he's been pretty impressive with what we've seen he gets the ball out quickly I think that's like the main thing that I'm excited to see is he gets the ball out he's like a a ball distributor type quarterback and so that could be good for Devontae Adams who clearly has just struggled over last month Um, and I think Aiden O'Connell is going to really really lean on Adams uh, early on and so I could that that could be a little bit of a bonus for Adams obviously he doesn't have a huge ceiling with the rookie quarterback Um, and then also Michael Mayer potentially maybe get a a few more looks over the short and intermediate area just because Aiden O'Connell like I said he gets the ball out quickly and I think that would be sort of like the big thing to keep an eye on uh, going forward but overall you know this is this team is still a mess I think with the receivers like in Devontae Adams class that are like these guys are the special, of the special. Mm-hmm. Do you worry less about who their QBs are? And basically, where I'm going with this is Kirk Cousins is out now too with the Achilles. Yeah. At some yeah. point, Justin Jefferson's going to come back. And do you just look at that and say like they're so good? You're obviously starting them, but you kind of mentioned the ceiling might be different. But yes, is yes. it fair to wonder the production will still be there? Yeah, I mean, I think look. I'm not going to be benching Devontae Adams most likely unless the the bottom really really falls out over here, you know, over the next few weeks. But um, you know, he's not a he's not a benchable player. He's still going to get a ton of targets. He's still going to command those looks, and he's still probably going to be solid, especially in half PPR and PPR leagues where he's just catching a lot of passes. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think you have to expect that the ceiling is just not going to be there anymore to be like a top five guy, just because 
most likely this offense isn't going to be a high scoring unit. And obviously touchdowns are where, you know, top tier receivers really get an edge. And so, you know, I think, you know, from a floor point of view, I think this is fine. This is good. Like I'm still happy to start Devontae Adams. I'm still happy to start Justin Jefferson when he gets back um, with whoever's playing quarterback. Sounds like it's going to be Josh Dobbs uh, for the Vikings for the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's just, it's a ceiling killer. So that's, that's kind of a bummer, but at the end of the day, these guys are still usable in fantasy. Uh, how do you feel like Dobbs fits into what that offense tries to be? And, and is, <laughs> is, is he still reliable fantasy wise? Uh, I don't know. Honestly, who knows? I think so. We've made the joke on our show that he's the, the quantum leap quarterback. I don't know if you ever remember that show from like the nineties, sure. yeah. basically he's just, you know, beaming into new bodies or beaming into new teams every couple of weeks and trying to like figure things out on the fly. And that's kind of like what's happening again. He did this last year with the Titans. He did it this year with the Cardinals and now we got him with the Vikings. Um, you know, I think I'm more bullish on the Vikings skill players around him. Uh, than I was if it was going to be like Jaron Hall, a rookie, fifth rounder, or you know Nick Mullins or any of these other backups that they have. I think Dobbs has shown and he's proven that he can at least keep some of these fantasy guys afloat. Like he did that in in Arizona, and that offense is absolutely absolutely you know dysfunctional um, relative to a lot of these good offenses in the NFL. And so I think yeah, he's he's definitely you know I think it's better than the other options. I'll put it that way. I think that you know he can definitely keep um, you know some of these fantasy options afloat keep tj hawkinson you know going and in, in one of the top five tight ends probably and i think justin jefferson's going to still command a lot of targets going forward and i think um josh dobbs he's a veteran he's going to actually be also startable for some people in two mm-hmm. quarterback leagues and so because he runs he runs a lot so um yeah i mean it, it could be a lot worse i'll put it that way it could be a lot worse uh, all right we saw will levis uh take over in a game and Light it up uh, yeah. from, from a fantasy <laughs> perspective. You know, we were talking to Mark Schofield yesterday, and yeah, like the, there were some concerns and, and some context into that per, a performance. But from a fantasy perspective, you say, "Hey, I'll take four touchdowns and two thirty-eight. Sure, um, yeah. And and he rushed, I think, seven times, not for a lot of yards. But uh, Will Levis in the game in Tennessee. You know, what does that mean for the the, the Titans pass catchers, and will it continue? Yeah, I mean, again, it's a rookie quarterback. Generally speaking, going back in history, rookie quarterbacks are not very reliable uh, from a real football point of view and a fantasy point of view in terms of like elevating the skill players around them. Generally speaking, if you have a rookie quarterback, skill players are going to be pretty volatile, volatile um, in fantasy. And and I think that's just we got to get that out of the way. We got to say that. But at the same time, I do think, you know, he gave them a big spark that they really hadn't have. He was pushing the ball downfield. He was willing to throw it up and let his receivers come down with it. I mean, I, I think his first touchdown pass to DeAndre Hopkins was just this moonshot down the field. It was not very accurate. It was probably not well-placed, but DeAndre Hopkins is an elite receiver and he did what he does and he went and got it basically um, and scored a touchdown on it. So I think just the willingness to push the ball downfield, the willingness to, you know, create explosive plays or hopefully create explosive plays is, is there. And, you know, that's different from what we've seen certainly with Malik Willis or, um, Ryan Tannehill this year, who had two touchdowns, you know, in the whole season. And we saw uh, Will Levis throw four in this game. And so um, I think, it, you know, again, it's going to be volatile. You're not going to probably be super dependent on these guys. But it do, I do think it raises the ceiling a little bit for Hopkins. Um, Traylon Burks is a guy who could see a little bit of um, flashes as the season goes on. And obviously, you know, if they can get Derrick Henry going in the second half of the year, this play action game, that, well, that that's what we saw this last week, like play action, they were pushing the ball downfield, mm-hmm. um, you know, marry the run game with the play action passing game. And, you know, this offense could, 
make marginal steps forward, you know, because this has been a really bad offense and not a very helpful offense for uh, for fantasy football. So I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, Will Levis will continue to start and give them a little bit of spark. But again, you have to be you have to be realistic and, and know that it's going to be up and down. Let's compare this one to, let's say, Atlanta and Taylor Heineke set to take over announced today by Arthur Smith. And he, and he came into the game uh, as well on Sunday. Um, like, which one do you feel is more stable? I, I guess actually between all four spots, which one do you feel is the most stable? Um, I mean, Heineke has done it, you know, in the past. I, I would say I think I, I would lean Minnesota as the most bullish. And then Atlanta with, with Heineke is probably second just because Heineke, like I said, he's done it in the past. He's started a bunch of games. Um, he's got a little, uh, I don't know, Gardner Minshew to him, I guess, like okay, a guy who's yeah. willing to push the ball down the field. He's willing to like throw the ball up for his receivers. Again, this, these are the things you're looking for, um, in fantasy rather than a guy who's going to like, you know, eat the ball and take a sack or like run around and dump it off or something like that, where it's like, you're just not going to get much in fantasy from those types of guys. And so, um, yeah, I see Heineke as like a Gardner Minshew style player and a guy that can, you know, create some fantasy production around him, but maybe not be a very good player and maybe not make this team ultimately all that great, which is, I think, what we're seeing with Gardner Minshew. Um, but he's, again, he's a professional quarterback who will give the ball to his playmakers, and I really like that in fantasy. And so I'm kind of excited to see what happens with, you know, Kyle Pitts going forward. Obviously, he's been super disappointing uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, Drake London, obviously, you know, maybe this could raise his floor a little bit. And then, of course, like Bijan Robinson is going to be a big part of this passing game continuing going forward. And so, yeah, I think I'd probably say I'm most bullish about like Minnesota and the Josh Dobbs situation than, than Atlanta. Then probably, shoot, I guess, I don't even know. I guess Will Levis and then finally the Raiders, which <laughs> I think I, I'm excited about Devontae Adams and that's about it with the Raiders. Uh, it's weird looking at the, the QB stats and being like, oh, you know who threw passes this week? P.J. Walker, Tyson Bajant, Mitch Trubisky, Tommy DeVito, uh, Yeesh. Brett Rippon, DTR. It's like, man, what happened this week? By the way, did you know that offensive scoring is down this year? I wonder why <laughs> that could be. What is there any correlation there? Um, yeah, the NFL has a weird – they're in a weird place right now. We've been talking about this on our show too. It's like – the NFL is sort of in this transitional period between the old guard quarterbacks like Drew Brees, mm-hmm. um, you know, you name it. There's just a bunch of guys that have kind of like retired out of the league over the last few years. Matt Ryan, um, Philip Rivers. I'll go down the list. There's just a bunch of like old veteran, reliable guys that were starter for 10 plus years for their team, um, for their teams. And then now they're kind of like aging out. They're they're moving on. And, and I think the NFL, there are no middle-class quarterbacks in the NFL. It's either really established, highly, highly paid quarterbacks or guys that teams are trying out, you know, like either on rookie deals or like we've got all these like sort of backup style quarterbacks that are starting right now. And so um, the fact that there's no middle-class quarterbacks in the NFL is I think a big reason why there's no, or all the scoring is down this year. All the offensive numbers are down. Efficiency metrics are all down pretty much across the board. And so, um, yeah, it's just this weird transitional period for the NFL. And I think hopefully, you know, of course, some of these quarterbacks are going to emerge as very good players and sort of take up the mantle of some of these older veterans that have aged out and retired. But um, right now, I feel like that's kind of the position we in from a meta point of view. Like that's that's where the NFL is right now. I, I do feel like that's also led to you know we, we come into the, the fantasy season so much of look like running back two is the most difficult position to figure out so don't even draft it and mm. worry about it later and and yet I'm looking at the kind of the stats right now and it does feel like 
that position is kind of stabilized and it's maybe a bit more robust than we initially projected. Like running back one feels like a bit of a minefield, but I look, it's like, yeah, look, yeah. there's there's Gus Edwards, here's Joe Mixon, there's Javante Williams, here's Rashad White, a bunch of guys you probably didn't pay a high price for. Now maybe Mixon the most expensive, but it does feel like there's at least some stability in that group there. And, and, and let's kind of work through these guys one by one. Yeah. Um, Let's start with Mixon, because if, if you've had him in your roster, I imagine you've just been looking at it and say, like, hey, man, like I, I want the one big week. And now he finally does have uh, a touchdown uh, this past week with 87 All right. yards. But <laughs> it, it's at least he's, he's pretty much giving you double-digit production almost every week. Yeah, and he's he's a guy that um, is the, the most reliable, I'd say, from like a volume point of view. He ha- He's averaging right now 18 carries – or sorry, 18 touches per game, almost 19 touches per game which is the 11th most among all running backs in the NFL. And so, you know, from a fantasy point of view, we always are looking for the guy who's going to get a lot of volume. A lot of times that can be pretty unpredictable. Mixon, I would say, is not very efficient. But again, he's on a good offense and he's getting a lot of touches. And so I think the, the touchdowns are going to come. You said, you said it. he's only got two rushing touchdowns this season, which is, you know, obviously very disappointing. Um, but 112 carries, it's like a top five number. So, uh, or top 10 number. And so, yeah, I think just, you know, chasing that volume, chasing what potentially this offense could be. He seems like kind of like a good buy low candidate for the second half of the year because um, Joe Burrow is just getting a lot better. This offense, I think, is going to score a lot more touchdowns than it did early in the season. So um, that's the type of player you want to go for. I uh, know Gus Edwards, uh, I mentioned him. I imagine people picked him up off the waiver wire at some point uh, once Dobbins went down. And here's something that, like, he's put up multiple 700-yard seasons before, and he's put up you know, four or five touchdown seasons before. Um, another person that's, okay, maybe the high end's not there every week with three touchdowns, but here's right. another stable guy you're probably plugging into your your lineup. Yeah, he's he's a funny one because – there's you know during these games you watch the games it's like justice hill seems like he has a little bit more juice and he has a little more explosiveness and he's a little more useful in the passing game but Gus bus over here is just running downhill getting four yards a pop or five yards a pop and just consistently doing his thing and i think that's like something that's really you know especially when the ravens are leading is is going to be something that the ravens really uh, lean on you know going forward and so um in positive game scripts i think gus edwards is a really like solid low ceiling high floor kind of uh you know fantasy option for you obviously this last week he was a high ceiling guy he had three touchdowns that's not going to happen every week but i do think you know you're going to see him like get 15 carries a week 80 to 100 yards and have a really solid floor as like a flex option or a RB, RB2 option. And, you know, he's a good player. He's a he's a guy that breaks tackles. He gets north-south. He, um, you know, can take on contact and continue to rumble. And I think they've been leaning on him a little bit more over the last few weeks just because, you know, he's a trustworthy guy that goes downhill and, and takes care of the football. So, um, you know, Gus Edwards, again, he's not like a super high-ceiling guy, but he gets you that floor. He's not going to get you a zero most likely. Um and he he always has touch and upside because he's you know the guy that's going to get the ball around the red zone. He, right now, I think he's got he's got over fifty percent of the team's uh, inside the five yard line looks, and so you know he's going to get those goal line looks most likely. Uh, so, so two guys I want to kind of lump together here in, in Javante Williams and, and Rashad White because it hasn't been stable the whole season, but these last couple of weeks uh, they they've managed to put up decent production. Um, what are you looking at these two guys and what they can provide for their offenses? Yeah, I think Javante is the one of the most interesting guys for the second half of the year because he's you know he's a guy coming off of a major knee injury, <clears throat> and he's and he's 
he's slowly come along, I think, in this offense. Obviously, like the Broncos were using a bit of like a three-headed monster at the running back position, three-headed committee at the the position, which is always like a nightmare for fantasy early on in the season. And that's more of a two-man rotation now. In fact, he's really ramped up and and gotten a lot. So like the last two weeks, he's gotten 15 and 27 carries. Um, And that's exactly what you want to see. Whereas like early on in the season, he was rotating with multiple guys. He wasn't playing as many snaps. And so um, it feels like he's really coming on and looking like the lead, the quote unquote lead back in this offense. And so that's great to see. I think he's a guy that down the stretch, though, Denver will lean on more and more. And so again, this is another potentially um, interesting by low type guy because um, you know, he's not in a three headed committee anymore and that's always what you want to avoid in fantasy and so um he's a guy that i like a lot the other one rashad white you mentioned um he's he's just another i think it's like joe mixon light version where you know he's not very explosive he's not gonna um, be super super efficient but he's averaging 17 touches a game you know he gets a ton of carries and tons of looks in the passing game um and it doesn't look like there's any competition there for him because uh you know the other guys behind him just aren't nearly as good as he is and so um you know, he's going to be up and down, I think, just because his offense is up and down in, in Tampa Bay. But, um, you know, Rashad White right now, he's 16th in the NFL in touches per game. So that's something that you have to really remember. Those those touches translate to fantasy points, even if it doesn't look pretty. Uh, is there any concern about uh, the Miami backfield? Now, I know they've been so fantastic for everyone in the early season, uh, but it's back-to-back kind of slow weeks for Raheem Mostert, and yeah. Jeff Wilson has come back, Devin A. Shane is going to be there at some point. Obviously, as you mentioned, three-headed monster uh, creates a headache for fantasy owners, but um, is that more just, hey, they played Philly in New England and plug-and-play when it comes to yeah. uh, Raheem Mostert? Yeah, absolutely plug-and-play when it comes to Raheem Mostert, at least for the next week or two until we see Devon A. Chain come back. I even think once A. Chain comes back, or A. Chan, I should say, um, I think that they're still going to split the workload between A-Chan and Mostert and, you know, kind of like they're not going to try and put too much on A-Chan's plate, I think, that, mm-hmm. especially after he's coming off of a knee injury. Um, A-Chan is going to be like a uh, Tony Pollard, I think, version from last year and the year before, like kind of like a change of pace guy, not necessarily carry the load, not be the first guy out there, um, not be around the goal line, things like that. But he's going to be um, so explosive and so efficient when he touches the football score, so many touchdowns, he's still going to be really you know, really useful in fantasy and really valuable in fantasy. And so um, I think Mostert is sort of like the 1A. It's going to be A-Chan, the 1B. And then they'll probably mix in, you know, Jeff Wilson here and there. It's going to be, I I will say, they're probably going to score enough points where it won't matter. But it probably will be kind of a headache from a fantasy point of view because I I suspect that uh, Mike McDaniels is going to rotate his guys to try to keep everybody fresh. So, and, and there's probably going to be an element of hot hand to it too which is always like what you want to avoid. You just want guys that are going to get guaranteed volume um, instead of like coaches going with the hot hand. But um, I imagine it'll be a bit of a headache, but this offense is so good that it probably won't matter a whole lot for, for fantasy purposes. Cause they're all going to score points. Uh, all right, DK, it's our uh, favorite part of the week. Uh, I, I, look, I was in the stands on Sunday and Tyler Lockett was making grabs and I was like, Heck oh my yeah. God, they're they're listening to the show because last week you didn't have anyone and I was like, you know, it'd be great if Tyler Lockett could have a game. And, and, <laughs> and there's Tyler Lockett showing up with like eight catches and a touchdown. I think it was 80 yards as well. So... It, it, it's working, whatever we're doing. And you've mentioned Jameer Gibbs, and Jameer Gibbs was running back one this week. So Love that. Love to see that. Yeah. Whatever we're doing here, uh, it's working. The and universe is rewarding us. It's yeah. weird. Um, it, it, it's like we have this weird portal for for one moment. In, in, Talking in, to the fantasy gods. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, 
where are you keeping your focus on for this week? Of <laughs> hey, this team just needs to do a better job of getting their guy the ball. Okay, here's one. Fantasy gods. Uh, this is a quibble because I really like how the uh, Cowboys are using Tony Pollard. Like they're giving him tons of touches. You know, he's getting a lot of volume. Love all that. That's all great. Can we just maybe get him into the end zone a little bit more? That's that's my question. Just get him into the end zone. Get him a little bit more valuable touches. Um, he's been actually pretty underwhelming from a fantasy point of view over the last like month or so, um, which is disappointing because again he has all this he has all this volume. It's just not coming with production, which is like exactly the opposite of what you'd expect from a guy like Tony Pollard, who over the last four years has been all this production and not much volume. And so. Um, I actually saw a stat this morning. It was like the the Cowboys were, I want to say, the number one most efficient team in the red zone in 2022. Um, and this year, in 2023, they were like 30th in, in touchdown efficiency in the red zone. So basically, turning red zone uh, trips into touchdowns. They're just not doing that at a high rate this year. And so um, I do think that there's probably positive regression coming from that point of view, which means I think the touchdowns are coming for Tony Pollard. So if you've got Pollard, don't panic. Um, and you know what, fantasy gods, if you could just give us a few more Tony Pollard touchdowns, that'd be great. It's been a tough schedule as well. They've had the the Patriots, the 49ers, yeah. then the throw in a bye week, and probably not a usage when you're when you're winning by so much. And they got Philly this week, but it does look like it it lightens up as well with the Giants, Panthers, yeah. uh, Washington, all in the way. I mean, they've the the Cowboys have literally not. This is like the Seahawks thing. They have not played a normal game all season. It's just been either a massive, massive blowout, or they've well, it's been a massive blowout on either end. They've either been absolutely blown out, or they've been blowing other teams out. So it's like, I think that's probably part of the red zone thing. Is like they're just not pressing when they get into the red zone. If they get to third down or fourth down, I should say, they just kick a field goal instead of like you know going for it on fourth down or being really aggressive. It's just like whatever. So. I think there's probably some element of, of randomness to this with, with Tony Pollard not scoring very many touchdowns. Um, but, yeah, I'm hoping like more normal games for the Cowboys down the stretch is going to equal more touchdowns for Tony Pollard. Uh, DK, you're the best, man. Always love these chats. Uh, best yeah. of luck here the rest of the way. All right, thank you. All right, there he is, Danny Kelly uh, from the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, if you want to give him a shout, uh, ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. They love the questions uh, over on that pod, Spotify. You can listen to them there. Uh, Fantasy Football Update brought to you by the Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, Clayton Public House, your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens, two giant projectors, the Clayton Pub. Dot com. All right, that's it, it for the People Show today. Uh, we're out. Canuck Central on the way. It's Wednesday, overrated, underrated Wednesday. Uh, one of my favorite uh, spots on the station. Uh, Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw on the way after a Canucks victory last night over the Preds, getting ready for San Jose. Uh, Sat and Dan will have it all for you. Coming up on Canuck Central here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.